0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken. Who
1: are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you going out of your way for? To help pick them up and get them to where they can meet him. People can get saved anywhere. I did not get saved in a church. I got saved, well, I was about as close to heaven as you can get. I was in the mountains of Colorado. So elevation wise, I was working my way there, right? But I was as lost as can be. I was all by myself in Colorado
0: when I got saved. Who are you bringing to Jesus? In today's message, Pastor James reads the story of the lame man who was brought to Jesus. If it wasn't for the devotion of the man's friends, he probably wouldn't have been healed. He couldn't take himself to Jesus. He actually needed help to get there. Is there someone in your life today who desperately needs to be brought before Jesus? Much like the man in this story, their only chance of seeing Jesus might be through you. So what are you doing to help get them there? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Mark chapter 2 verse 1 I'm going to read from New Living Translation it Says this when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later the news spread quickly that he was back home Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door While he was preaching God's word to them four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd so they dug a hole through the roof above his head Then they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child or my son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I'll prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Okay. So that's our little story for today. And don't think that we're done. I just read through it. Okay. I know it's different. I wanted to read through it. Just kind of paint this whole picture for our minds. This is just one of those amazing stories. It's an incredible story. There's so much within this. And that's why we want to, we'll go back to the beginning. Let's talk about context here. Jesus was out in the region of Galilee. That's that, you know, you have the Sea of Galilee, kind of a little bit north-central of Israel, the country of Israel. And he would spend a majority of his ministry going all around the Sea of Galilee, okay, and ministering to the little towns and villages there. So he's out doing this. He's out proclaiming the word. Large crowds are gathering around him. He had just healed a man with leprosy, okay? I don't know if you guys remember that from last week. But as he was out ministering, this guy who was well-consumed, As the gospel of Luke tells us, he is full of leprosy, meaning he's in the final stages of his life. Like body is deteriorating. Like that's what leprosy does. It's a skin disease and it will eat away at certain parts of your body. You lose your fingers. You lose, you become numb. That's another element of leprosy. You become numb. You have no feeling. So if you're washing your hands and the water is scalding hot, you have no idea because you can't feel it. And so you're damaging your hands, but you don't even know it. You have no physical contact with people at all because they can't come near you. You're constantly harming yourself without even realizing it. You're a complete, you're by definition, you are outcast. Nobody will come near you. You will never touch another human being ever. That's the descendants of leprosy. Jesus is going around. Proclaiming the word of God. He's not just going around healing people. First and foremost, he's going around preaching the word of God. That's precedent. That's number one. The word comes first. Miracles, do I believe miracles happen? Yes, I still, I believe healings happen and miracles still happen to this day. But the word is priority. The word is priority. This leper approaches Jesus and says, if you will, you can make me clean. You can wash me. You can make me clean. Not heal me, but you can cleanse me. The leper, understanding probably his greatest need is that of forgiveness of sins, cleansing. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. And he was healed immediately. As soon as Jesus made contact with his skin, Jesus didn't become defiled because as soon as Jesus touched this guy, the leprosy disappeared. It was gone. Full restoration. Whatever digits he was missing, probably back. So he goes from there into this next chapter where he goes back to Capernaum. It says here, he returned to Capernaum several days later. So Capernaum was like home base for Jesus in the region of Galilee. The news spread quickly that he was back home. And just so we understand, Jesus did not have a home. He didn't have a home here on this earth. This home where he was at was more than likely Peter's house. This was his headquarters. So Peter was gracious enough. He not only gave his life to the Lord Jesus and became his faithful disciple and abandoned all to follow Jesus, he opened up his house for Jesus to camp out there for as long as he needed and was willing to let people overload his house. I mean, those are like top-level hospitality right there. Like, I don't know about you, but I can, you know, guess. I don't mind having guests in my house, but there's limits. There's limits on how many and how long you can stay, right? It's like, after a while, I'm like, I need my space back. I just need my space. Peter, from all we know, is Jesus, have my house. Have my house. It's going to get packed out. That's cool. That's cool. Because it literally gets packed out in this story. Like, li- by all sense of definition, his house is full to the brim. You cannot fit any more people in there. So it says he's, word gets back around there in Capernaum, Jesus is back. So for everybody, that means we need to go round up your sick, round up your demon possessed. Let's get him to this guy because he can heal them. He can cast the demons out. He's got authority that we've never seen before. They're going to overwhelm Peter's house here. It says soon the house where they were staying, this is verse two, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even on the outside of the door. So if the houses were set up with like four houses sharing a courtyard, which is more than likely what it was, even the courtyard itself was packed out with people. Now their houses, just so you understand, are absolutely different from the houses we're used to. The maximum amount of people that could probably fit in this house was probably 50 people inside the house, right? And you're like, well, that's not a lot. Well, no, that's still a lot. 50 people in a house, that's a lot, okay? That's a lot. Most of their houses were not like multi-room houses. It was usually just one big room, one big room. And everybody slept in that one big room, right? And so that's like, even that notion of that idea, I'm like, that's way too open concept for me. I don't know what this thing of like open concept, I'm like, I don't want open concept in my house. I like walls, okay? I I have no problem with walls and doors. I like those things because I like space and I like privacy. But in these homes, it's just one big room and they have jam-packed, as many people into this house as they possibly can. You can't even get in, not even into really probably within even courtyard itself. So if you got there late, you're out of luck. Maybe, maybe you can hear something, press your ear against the wall as hard as you can. You know, there's no more room. Now there's a problem for four friends and there's one buddy who is paralyzed, because they know they got to get their buddy to Jesus. they got to get him to Jesus. And they're not going to let anything stop them. So if you could look at this, there's really four people that we're looking at within the story. You have the perspective of Jesus. You have the perspective of these four guys and their friend. You have the perspective of the religious people. And then you'll have the perspective of a crowd. You've got four different viewpoints of this one story you can look at. As far as Jesus is concerned, he shows up and the room is full, but he knows there's another guest coming. There's room for one more. There's always room for one more. And however that one more has to get into the room, Jesus is more than willing to push pause on his sermon for the one more that needs to get in the room. This is an amazing thing. So, you know, if you revisit the story, look back through this, Jesus is in a packed out room and he's preaching. He's teaching the word of God. And then he gets what no pastor ever wants is an interruption, right? Like, don't interrupt. I'm on a roll. Like, no pastor's like that. Jesus didn't mind interruptions. More pastors need to be like Jesus. Because sometimes interruptions are necessary. So there's Jesus preaching the word. He already knows what's going on. He can see the dust falling from the ceiling as these dudes are digging through Peter's roof. That's whose house it is. And Jesus is going to watch these guys lower their friend down from the ceiling, right directly in front of him. He's not even moved by it. Not even like, not, you know, doesn't skip a beat, stops right where he's at, takes care of this guy. That's one perspective you can look at. The other perspective, and this is where we, we really will spend some time is the four men who brought their friend to Jesus this guy was probably known throughout Capernaum. Most uh, paralytics—I mean, this bed that they carry him on is probably the bed he has. It's been his home for as long as he's been paralyzed, and more than likely, he was set outside the synagogue. You know, and maybe he can hang out there and and kind of beg because oftentimes that's where they would put the sick. Is they'd have him hanging out just right outside the synagogue. Anywhere where there's high traffic, and especially if people go into church, then you camp out there because maybe they're going to be a little bit more generous and help you out and give you some money. This guy has no means of being able to work at all. He's paralyzed. How did he become paralyzed? We have no idea. There is one little, one little indication that his current state could have been caused by sinful acts. Can be dogmatic about that, but a lot of Bible commentators reference that, that there's just slightly maybe a chance, because we know that there were diseases circulating back then that if you caught one, it could cause you to become paralyzed. So poor sinful decisions could lead to these types of consequences. Did this happen for this guy? We don't know. Don't know. It doesn't even, it's not even worth speculating. What we know is he's paralyzed. He cannot move on his own. So he needs the compassion from those around him to get him to where he needs to be. And praise God that he had four friends who saw when Jesus came back to town, we are going to get you there. We will get you to Jesus. Who brought you to Jesus? Who were the friends in your life? Who were some of the ones within your life who brought you to Jesus? Think back on that. It's worth revisiting right now. It's worth playing back within your mind. Who were some of the ones that were instrumental within your life? You essentially were the paralyzed person on the mat and they picked you up and they made sure that you got to where you needed to be so that you can meet him. Who were the ones in your life? There had to been somebody Probably, somebody probably brought you to them. Maybe somebody shared a gospel with you. Maybe somebody shared a a gospel track with you. Maybe it was parents, maybe it was grandparents that had just faithfully been praying for you constantly. And if you're drawing a blank, well, maybe it's because, maybe nobody has, but maybe you're here today for that reason. The other side of that coin is this. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you going out of your way for to help pick them up and get them to where they can meet him? People can get saved anywhere. I did not get saved in a church. I got saved, well, I was about as close to heaven as you can get. I was in the mountains of Colorado. So Elevation-wise, I was working my way there, right? But I was as lost as can be. I was all by myself in Colorado when I got saved. But there were people that were instrumental in getting me to that place. Who in your life, who in your life, if you've been brought to the Lord Jesus, somebody did that for you, who are you doing that for? Who are you actively doing that for? You have to be doing this. You have to be. And that's not, thus saith James, because you don't care about, thus saith James. You care about, thus saith the Lord. And he says, you will go and make disciples. That is a command. And you don't have disciples unless you have converts. You can't be a disciple of Jesus unless you are saved by Jesus. Who are you leading? Who are you picking up? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Write their names down in your Bible. Because maybe they're not coming willingly. Maybe they are rejecting it. This guy on the mat could have been like, no, I don't want to. But he didn't. He wanted to get there. He just needs somebody to bring him there. You'd be surprised at how many people actually want this hope. You'd be surprised at how many people want Peace that surpasses all understanding within their lives. You would be surprised at how many people are carrying around these heavy burdens of guilt and shame and they want to be set free. They just need friends to come alongside them and pick them up and get them to where they need to be. I'm grateful for these four men. I'm grateful for this story. I think this serves as a great encouragement for us because we know what it feels like to be the one who is like, I can't move. I can't move. I know what I want, and I know where I want to be, but man, I am paralyzed right now. I think we know what that feels like. You can even feel that way in following Jesus as well. That fear can overcome you so strongly where it paralyzes you. You need friends who can pick you up and place you at the feet of Jesus. Even as a believer, we need this still. We know what that feels like. So I've experienced that personally. I've gone through moments of that where I have cried out to friends and said, look, I need you to lift me up because, man, I can't breathe right now. And I've been one of the friends when somebody's called out and says, I, I, just, need to, I just need you to pray. I'm lifting you up right now, right now. I'll be one of those four friends who grabs a corner of that mat and we'll get you to Jesus, so to speak. This is never ending. It's never ending. It never goes away. And we want more of this, more of this. I praise God for four determined individuals who are carrying their friend. And as soon as they get to this house, it is packed out and they can't even get in. Nobody even inside the house is willing to move out so that this guy can get in. That's a, there's a whole other lesson there. It's so packed out that there's a guy who obviously needs to be front and center and nobody's willing to give up their spot so that he can go in. Don't be like the crowd. Do not be like the crowd who probably pass by this guy every single day. Don't be like the crowd. Well, it's my seat. I showed up early. I got front row seats, front row tickets to the Jesus show. Like, I waited for this. No, if somebody needs it more, then you move out of the way and let them have that space. That's the other element of walking with Jesus and being a disciple. It's death to self. Make room. Make room for those who need it. So they get there. As Jesus is preaching the word of God to them, there's no room even outside the door. They can't get in at all. Verse three picks up with the four men. They arrived carrying the guy on the mat. Verse four, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, which is we think like, oh, that's so cool. Like the house is packed out for Jesus. No, that's a problem. I've seen it both ways. Any time I've stayed through this, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool the houses are packing out because Jesus is there and he's preaching the word. No, I'm sorry, but when studying through it this time, I'm like, that's a problem. That's a problem when the church is so packed out that the ones who need to get there can't get in. Make room, make room. And if they don't make room, then you find a way in. That's what these guys did. The houses back then, this is another way that they were pretty much all set up with. They had an outside staircase that led up to the flat roof, right? And sometimes they'd have a little room that was built upon the roof. That would be the mother-in-law in quarters, okay? That's when they would put mom up there, right? So everybody else has lived down here and then mom's up on the roof, okay? I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. Personally, I kind of like that idea for myself. You know, you got a whole like roof patio thing. I take it. Away from all the noise, absolutely. But by and large, the roof was just flat surface and it was composed of like sticks and some brick kind of stuff. And you can easily tear through this roof. So these four guys, they encounter an obstacle. We can't get in, but they don't give up. How many times have we given up? when it's just become so difficult to get to them, and there's an obstacle in the way and we encounter that obstacle and it's like, well, maybe the Lord doesn't want me to. No, that's not true. The Lord wants more determined individuals. He doesn't need more people who are just so willing to give up at any slightest thing, hindrance. You keep pressing on. That's the whole story with the Apostle Paul. We went through this in the book of Acts as he's going on his missionary journeys. He wanted to get to specific regions and when he would show up, the Holy Spirit would say no. So what do you do? He packed his bags and he went home. No, he kept trying. This door's not opening. I'll go on to the next door. That door doesn't open. I'll go on to the next door. I will keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. The Lord once sat from his followers Not one to show up and it's like, oh, the door's locked. I guess that's God's will. I'll just go back home. What? That's, no, No, knock again. Look for another door. There's gotta be another way. Because who knows? Maybe the Lord just wants you to kind of stick it out. Get a little stronger. These four men, they get this idea. They can't bring him in through the door. We'll go up through the roof. This is a crazy idea because... Here's what we need to understand about this story. These four men who are willing to carry their friend up these stairs onto this flat roof are also taking on the financial responsibility of fixing Peter's roof when they're done. Don't think that they just left it as a hole. Because then I'd be mad if I'm Peter. I'm like, hey, but the hole, like what? Who's gonna, who's gonna fix it? I don't have home insurance. Who's gonna fix that? We can be certain I would imagine just based on what seems like the character of these individuals, we'll make the hole, but we'll fix it. But we're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend at the feet of Jesus. So they go up there, they locate, they're like, when we looked in, he was kind of standing right here. So if we dig a hole right here, we can drop him right in front of Jesus. And that's what they begin to do. They begin to dig A hole through this roof and they're removing tiles and, you know, sticks and clay and all this good stuff. They're just moving it. So you can imagine as Jesus is preaching the word and the crowd has filled the room, dust and dirt is falling from the ceiling as he's talking. So you're standing there. You're like, what in the world is going on? And then sunlight. Peter just got a new skylight and he's like, I didn't want that. But there it is, a skylight, and there's four dudes looking down. Can you imagine their faces after they dug through this hole? And they're just all looking down through this hole at this crowd and at Jesus. So as they dug through this, right above his head, right above the, where Jesus was teaching, says, so then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus.
2: Oh, 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 oh.
0: Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the Book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on Earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful, as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone? Then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of you.